What's up, principals, and welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. My name is Adam Welcome. I'm a principal. I'm your host. And as you know, this is the podcast that is all about principals all of the time because that's just what we do. And today is one of those special features on the show. We have an assistant principal, which I am coming to love these special features because it takes me back to my roots as an assistant principal. And she is coming to us from one of my favorite states to visit, Oklahoma. People actually say, Oklahoma, I have actually so many friends in Oklahoma. I've done a lot of work there. I've run the Oklahoma City Marathon. So it's a, it's a really cool place. There's not a lot of flights into Oklahoma. You usually got to connect like two, three times because it's a smaller airport, but it is a super fun state to visit. And uh, I'm excited. Sherry Gately, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm surprised I haven't seen you on the Oklahoma City Marathon course. I mean, there are like 30,000 people that run it, but. Have you run it or just as a spectator? Oh, cool. Did you do the full or the half? Uh, this well, this year was virtual, so I did the half. Uh, last year I did the full. Oh, so did I. I did it yeah. two years ago too. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I've done the full twice, and then every other year um, has been the half. I think I've missed two since two thousand and six. Yeah. So quick backstory on that. My good friend Cass Nelson, who is like my sister from another mother. She's a principal out in Visai, the eastern kind of way out there in the eastern part of the state. And she's done like a bunch of half marathons. And I told her, I said, sis, when you run a full marathon, I'm going to come and run it with you. And she's like, okay, it'll be OKC. And I was like, I'm down. So she's like, I'm doing it. We did it. And I got to tell you, Sherry, like I've run 30 marathons. That was the most emotional marathon. And for people that don't know why that marathon, all the proceeds benefit the federal building um, bombing back in the 90s, was it? Was it like 92? Am I right? 95. So there's like a moment of silence. I mean, I remember like at mile 20, there was people on the course, uh, older gentlemen. And he said, I said, hey, thanks for being out here. And he said, thanks for running. I lost five friends that day, you know, just those emotions. And I know people from Oklahoma, it obviously hits much closer to home, but I've been to that memorial uh, many times when I've, uh, when I've been to Oklahoma. So if I run the race again, Sherry, we are going to connect and we are going to run a few miles together. Um, But Hey, like for the people that don't know who you are, tell us about yourself, what you do, give us the lowdown. All right. Um, so I'm Sherry Gately. I am in my 12th year as an educator. Um, education actually was not my first career. So I was that kid that got a sociology degree because it was um, something that you picked because you had no clue what you wanted to do. Um, so my first degrees in sociology, I did corporate sales right after college um, and then went back to school, got another degree taught English for 10 years um, at a high school, actually the high school I attended. So that was fun. Um, And now I am a middle school principal, assistant principal, and in my second year um, at the middle school that I'm at in Norman, Oklahoma, which is where the University of Oklahoma um, is for anybody who is like a college sports fan. yeah, so that that's me. I'm I'm new to this thing. So my first year and then my second year is my year in COVID. So it's been <laughs> an interesting ride so far. Yeah, I've been through Norman. Isn't it a boomer sooner? What do y'all say? 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And yeah, I'm an sh- alum, so you know. I should have worn my uh, I should have worn my Oklahoma shirt. I have an Oklahoma shirt. So I have a question. So I know like things are different now with COVID and everything, but I felt that I felt that my first year as an assistant principal and then my first year as a principal was actually easier than my second year. I thought my second year was harder and I felt it was harder because I knew more. I I knew more and I had, there was like, oh, I got to talk to that person or, oh, these kids or whatever that may be. Do you feel that in your second year? Yeah. um, I feel like my first year, it was like imposter syndrome. (laughs) You know, like I was just playing an adult for a minute. Um, And so I I do feel like this year that now I'm expected to um, know things (laughs) a little bit differently, especially by teachers. So, you know, that first year was really about building relationships and um, getting to know them and them getting to know me and trusting one another. And now it's like, Um, they expect me to have the answers. And so that's, that's different um, for sure. So I definitely do feel that this year has been more difficult um, than last year for sure. Yeah. I mean, but difficult, like in a different way, but it's, it's all learning and it's all growth. I remember when I got hired, I was 29 when I got my assistant principal job and the principal that hired me, we were both new to the school, which was awesome. And she said, I said, I said, okay, like, what should I do? And she said, Adam, go be Adam. And that was like a pretty broad. And I was, I was super excited about that. And she would reel me in and then she would push me back and we would talk and learn and everything else. But talk about the importance of having a strong relationship as an assistant principal with your principal, because yes, as an assistant principal, you are a site admin but I always felt like you're kind of in between a little bit because you're like with the teachers, but you're not the principal. It's a, it's an interesting role. I had a lot of fun as an assistant principal. So what's kind of your take on that, Sherry? Yeah. So I think that's hugely important. Um, A little bit of a backstory there. Um, I, like I said earlier, the high school that I taught at was the same high school I attended. Um, So, you know, that was where I spent my whole career as a teacher. It's the district that I grew up in. Um, And I'm actually in a different district now, um, which was a really hard thing to do because that other district was home and I was comfortable. Um, But the only reason why I even applied for this job was because the head principal, Jonathan, reached out to me and we had a conversation about his school, about the job. And he said to me, if your goal is to be an assistant principal forever, that's great, but I'm not the person to work for. And so that is really why I applied because I think that um, there are people who want to stay in that role and that is the role for them and they don't ever want to reach higher than that, not reach higher. That sounds negative, but that that's what they want to do. And, um, that's not me. I know that this is an in-between until I'm ready to have, you know, a building of my own. And so knowing that I was going to come work for somebody that was going to challenge me and push me, um, was really important to begin with. And then that relationship over the last two years has really developed. Um, it's a constant, okay, what do you need from me? How can I help you grow? Um, talk to me about why you made this decision. He'll randomly pop in my office and say, okay, I've got an ethics question for you. Here's the scenario. So it's super important. It's also, um, been really important for, um, the constant reminder that he gives me to take care of my own mental health. Um, I don't think I realize how heavy the principalship is. Um, 
having a um, teaching is hard, right? We experience a lot of secondary trauma in teaching. And I don't think I realized that it would feel tenfold as an administrator. Um, and so that relationship has been really important because he's been there, he understands it. Um, he's been a head principal for a while as well. So he is constantly reminding me to take care of myself, to talk through the things that I um, am experiencing. So that relationship's been huge just for my own personal growth, but also as a reminder and accountability to take care of myself. I would say you are probably the envy of quite a few assistant principals out there because our situation was very similar. I got hired. My principal told me to go be Adam. And then she said, my goal is to get rid of you. Right. In the, in the sense of like, I want you to move on. And I was an assistant principal for two years and her goal was to build, build new leaders. And if you're listening and you don't have the type of relationship that I had and that Sherry's talking about, do your best to foster that relationship. And if you have a challenging relationship or a, or a not super close relationship with your principal, then they may not change. You're the one that needs to change in how you approach building that relationship because you want those conversations about ethics and about a student or a parent or a teacher or union issues or what contract stuff because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. So you said the C word and you said you were comfortable in your last district. Mm -hmm. And I always urge people to make themselves uncomfortable. I went from teaching in the same district, assistant principaling in the same district to being a principal in a different district, actually where I went to school, where I grew up, you know, similar story, Sherry. And I was a little bit nervous, you know, like it feels like a breakup. But I learned so much about myself and about education. What are some top things that you learned by just changing systems? Because as we know, all districts are different. And even if they're right next to each other, they can be night and day, which it's the weirdest thing. I don't know why we don't have more more just consistency. It's just the way it is, right? Like districts are districts and that's the way they are. And there's history and there's politics and there's programs. But what did you learn? Like what, what were some specific areas maybe that you grew when you left your comfort zone and went to the other place? Yeah. So I've actually been asked this question a lot recently, which is funny. Um, so my other district that I was in was really great at, um, data collection, at pushing teacher collaboration, at professional development. Um, really, I don't want to say that this district's not teacher-centered, but really teacher-centered. Um, the district that I'm in now, it's like all of the stuff that the district that I was in was missing, this district has, but is missing the other piece. Um, so we're really great at um, building community with our surrounding communities. We're really great at getting involvement from parents and other, other key stakeholders. Um, but like when it comes to teacher collaboration and some of those really um, teacher-centered, student-centered academic pieces, um, those aren't in the same spot that the other district was. And so it's been interesting to see how important both are and how when you are missing one, it's um, easy for things to fall through the cracks. So that's been really interesting for me to see um, 
and some of those things take time. And so when you focus on one, it's really easy for the other thing to, to not be focused on because it's hard to focus on all of the things at the same time. Um, so that's that's been interesting. I think I've also learned a lot about myself and what I'm capable of and um, how important it is for me to feel challenged. Um, I'm a super big extrovert. Um, I'm an ENFJ if you're a Myers-Briggs person. Um, so like super big extrovert. And I still didn't even realize how important it was. I mean, I knew so many people in that other district and it was so comfortable and people knew me and they, when I would say something, they knew what I meant by it. And so really having to go back and learn that about myself and ways that I might come across that I don't intend to come across and, um, you know, learning how to communicate and again with people who don't know me, um, has been an interesting thing, but yeah, it's, it's crazy how you can, you know, be 20 minutes down the road from a place that you were and things are so different, but how important that different perspective is. Um, education does not look the same <laughs> in a lot of places. And just like you said, even, even the places that are really close. So it's been really interesting. Um, and I think really important. I, th I thought I was going to be a lifer in my other district and never leave. But I, I think that um, I would have never been as effective had I not left. So yeah, yeah. there is no growth in the comfort zone. And I don't, what we're not saying is just, is just go move somewhere else to move somewhere else. But if you are feeling comfortable, it is time. I mean, I'll just take what I am for an example. I'm back in a new district and a district that is brand new to me. I don't know anybody. And I've been there for two months but, you know, I'm hearing you talk, Sherry, about meeting, you know, new people and systems. You know what? I've picked things up. It's not like it takes three years to learn how to do a purchase order or to learn all these things. And you do. I'm, I'm analyzing how I communicate and how I make decisions and, and all these different things. I think it's I, I kind of use the analogy like if you spend the same you're, you're, if you spend one career in the same school in the same district, it's kind of like marrying the first person you date that started in middle school or high school. And if you, if you, if you married your high school sweetheart is totally fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. And I, I'm sure you're happy, but there are other people, there's other districts out there. And, you know, I mean, I, I dated many people until I met my wife. No, because I, I'm like, I'm glad I did. Cause I was like, Oh, you know what? Like this personality or those interests, we really mesh well, and it's not, it's not apples for apples. Maybe the dating, maybe the dating analogy isn't the best, but uh, I think, you know, if you understand what I'm saying, it does, it makes you grow and it makes you learn. I mean, my wife and I've actually had that conversation quite a few times because we, we dated people that we thought maybe we wouldn't even be interested in. And, you know, like, and it, it helped you grow as, as a human being. And I'm, I'm glad I did because I, you know, I'm now, so happy with my wife and, and my family. So one question that people ask me all the time, and I'm, I'm curious what you're going to say about this because you're in the assistant principal role is how, how do you become an assistant principal? I remember I was a hungry fifth grade teacher. Like I wanted admin experience. I applied for summer school principal. I applied for high school vice principal. didn't get it, didn't get it. And I just wanted that experience. And then I was persistent and there's more to the story, but how, like, what do you do to become an assistant principal? Um, so 
I didn't actually do those things. Um, Those weren't actually opportunities uh, where I'm at. But I think that what I did, I didn't realize I was preparing for the assistant principalship because I never intended on going to admin, sorry. Um, So that was never a goal of mine. I thought I'd be in the classroom for forever, but I was really passionate about meeting new people, collaborating across the state, um, getting to know people who could stretch me and grow me as a teacher. And so I did so many different things, um, ed camps. I got involved in statewide committees, you know, we have an Oak Ed chat on Sunday nights that I really got involved in. And so I started to meet these people, uh, superintendents, principals, p- people from across the state. And so I started to develop relationships. So honestly, when I applied for my job, I was sought out um, by by my boss um, who uh, had been recommended, um, who my name had been recommended to um, by a colleague that I had met at an ed camp for. So I didn't really um, do the hustle so much for um, an assistant principal job as much as I did that hustle as a teacher. And as a teacher, um, I didn't realize that that was going to open the door years later, um, because that wasn't necessarily the goal at the time. But um, all of that that I did as a teacher really did open that door as an assistant principal. So yeah, so glad you talk about ed camps. Ed camp for me was the turning point in my career. I was a brand new principal. I'd heard about ed camps. This was probably, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago, Sherry. And I took two of my teachers to a Saturday ed camp. I said, hey, come with me. I'll drive. I'll buy you lunch. You know, I was just trying to build things at at our school. And I remember sitting next to uh, somebody at this session and uh, I was kind of, I was like on Twitter, but like not on Twitter, kind of like a Twitter stalker. Like I knew Twitter was a thing, but not really, right? Like you understand what I'm talking about. And this, this uh, principal tweeted something about sitting next to me. And I look over and it was her. And it's, it's now my, my good friend, Amy Fadeji. Uh, shout out to Amy, who is a principal. And it was that, it was, it was at that ed camp, at that moment, that I realized how important it was to be connected and to find other people, to find other principals, to find other leaders. And we were not in the same district. We live about an hour away. Like, hey, I live in the Bay Area. There's a lot of people. Oklahoma can be very rural at times. I mean, where, where my friend Cass lives, like there's not a whole lot out there in Visay. Uh, like the next principal, the next district could be, you know, 30, 40 minutes away. So that connective piece is, is so important. Uh, I want to ask you, what is your favorite leadership book? Is there a book that really changed you as a leader that really maybe changed your perspective or that you recommend to other leaders or aspiring leaders that you say, you got to read this book? Yeah, sure. So um, one will be education related and one will just be leadership. Um, So I would say uh, first is The Listening Leader by Shane Safir. Um, That book is phenomenal. Um, It really, I think, helped cement some of my non-negotiables as a leader. And it's really about equity and how um, we help transform 
transform schools into a place that works for everybody. So that book is phenomenal. Um, just leadership books. Um, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. So Dare to Lead, that I think vulnerability is not necessarily super comfortable for me and not something that I would have perceived to be a leadership skill. Um, so that book was really influential um, and one that I recommend to anybody, even I, I think that's a good book for even teachers to read because that's an important um, message even for how you run a classroom. So I would say that's my leadership book, but then my education leadership book would be The Listening Leader. So Brene Brown is the most dropped name on this podcast and I've <laughs> said it and I'm going to say it again, Brene, if you're listening to the Principal Guru podcast, I would love to interview you on the show. I know that you, she is not a principal, but leaders and principals are reading her stuff. I've tweeted at Brene, like, please come on my show. So sure. if anybody out there knows Brene Brown, please put in a good word for Adam Welcome and the Principal Crew Podcast, because we would love to have her on. So let's talk about mentors and having a mentor, being a mentor. What is your experience? What is your relationship with having a mentor, and then maybe now are you a mentor for any aspiring leaders? Sure. So um, yes, I have a mentor. I think everybody should have one. Um, I think that's hugely important. So my mentor uh, is Dr. April Grace. She's, an, she's a superintendent in Oklahoma. Um, I actually have known her because she was an assistant superintendent in the district that I worked at before. She's now a superintendent in a different district. Um, but yeah, she challenges me. She's the person that I go to whenever um, I am dealing with some tough situations um, or even I just need to talk through, through something. She's you know been at every single level. Um, she has added benefit of being a woman in leadership and education, which, you know, I think we know that education is a female dominated field, but the higher you go up, the less female it gets. Um, and so that's been really important um, as well. Then, yeah, so I actually have a few um, people right now that I I guess you could say that I mentor that are looking to get into leadership positions. And we have a lot of conversations about what that looks like, what they can do um, and, and what the next steps are. And so a lot of the things that I did, I'm encouraging other people to do. And I think that's just important. It's a way to give back because I have somebody that is giving to me so much of um, her time and so much of her expertise that I think it's important to also do that as well. So so I love what you said about that. Hey, my mentor, Dr. April Grace is a female and that's, there's a benefit to that. And I'm with you. Female education is a female dominated, uh, female dominated profession. And the higher you go, it does seem that there's more, there's more males in leadership. I, I don't know the exact data, but just having worked with a lot of, a lot of school districts, I see that. What are the benefits of having that, having that female connection in a mentor? Yeah, so um, I've experienced a significant amount of sexism that I didn't know that I would experience. Um, I, I've always known that that's existed and I've had you know, some, um, I don't know if we would call them microaggressions um, towards my gender as a classroom teacher, but it's been interesting what that looks like now um, in a leadership role and it's different. So it's been important because um, I don't ever want that to become a barrier to my effectiveness. And so having her walk me through some of those situations and how she's handled them um, 
and how she's handled them in a way that has made her um, able to be effective, even in situations where people didn't always take her seriously just because. Um, that's been really, really important for me. So not that, you know, there aren't great male mentors out there. It's just a totally different perspective. So I think it's really important to, to see, um, to have somebody who can speak to some of the same experiences. Yeah, no. And I think that's a great point. And I would also add that people that are listening, you can have more than one mentor. So, sure. you know, Sherry, you have uh, Dr. Grace as your, as, as your main mentor, and then maybe you have another mentor in this section or this section or that realm. I mean, I have multiple mentors in, in my life. And sometimes people say, wait, you have a mentor. And I'm like, I don't care who you are. You need a mentor. The president needs a mentor of some level, but just for somebody to talk talk to and to, and bounce ideas off of, and someone that's that's done it before them or has a different perspective. It's just so it's so valuable. And I would add too, I think it's beneficial to have a mentor that has a different experience from yours. If your experience is all in a is in a self contained. Uh, K-12 district with a certain population, find a mentor that has experience in a, with a different type of population, socioeconomic, different state, whatever that may be, because going back to the don't remain comfortable, their experience is going to help your experience, which is going to help you become just a better leader. What are some lessons learned as an AP? I'm trying to think about like, what did I learn as an AP? What are some, you know, if you could think about some lessons learned, I'll, I'll give you a few while you're, while you're thinking about them. Lessons learned was my goal. I was a vice principal of a really large elementary school. We had 1200 kids K-5. It was huge. And my goal was to learn every teacher's name before I met them. And that was a positive lesson because when I would say, oh, you're Christy, hi. And they were like blown away. Learning people's names is really, really important. I never did learn all 1200 students' names. That was a lot. I think I knew about a thousand by the time I left, but super important. Second lesson learned is your principal's in charge mm -hmm. and you have some level of in-chargeness, but your principal's in charge. And I can remember one time where... <sighs> I didn't feel that I overstepped my bounds. My principal did. And I love that she said, I'm in charge. Don't do that again. And don't say that again. And I said, yep, Roger, check. And it was just a good reminder though, that like they are in charge. And also that when I became a principal, like that I am the one in charge. So to own, own your leadership capacity, Sherry, what are your lessons learned as an AP? Okay. Um, I think one lesson learned is that I don't have to change my personality in the ways that I interact with kids. So I think that sometimes and things that I've seen from, you know, colleagues that I knew that went from teacher to AP when it came to discipline, um, they totally changed the way that they interact with children. And so they were really effective as classroom teachers um, and then maybe not so effective in their interactions with kids as administrators because they thought that they had to like I don't know, turn into bad cop or something, you know, totally opposite of what their personality is. So that's been one thing that um, I've realized is that when it comes to behavior and those conversations um, that I have to have with students that 
I really get can still be me. And I can still be the person that I was in the classroom because I did always hold kids accountable. Um, I did always have high expectations for kids. And so I can still do, do that in my own way. Um, and I think the other thing that I've learned is that as much as I've learned from my principal, I still have to have my own style just in how I handle everything. So yes, it's great. I watch how he interacts with people. I watch how he interacts with kids, but I still have, and parents, um, I still have to have my own style. So I can take what I'm learning from him and think about the ways that I would um, do something similar, or do things different, but, but my own style and who I am is really important to, um, maintaining maintaining me in this job even though it might be easy to kind of stray from that because I have different responsibilities I think that is such a great point that I haven't thought about in so long if you're an assistant principal that is such a valuable asset to a school and you should have your own personality because Sherry you're going to connect with certain teachers at your school that your principal may not connect with just because of leadership style past experience what have you what have you so if a school does have two leaders, a principal, an assistant principal, or multiple assistant principals, they all should have their, they should, just like teachers do have their own style, their own personality, um, and, and whatnot. So I have, I have a question. Are, are people in Oklahoma still mad that Kevin Durant left to come to Oakland because he wanted to win an NBA title? Because I can't tell you how many times I've worn my Warriors sweatshirt in the Oklahoma uh, airport and people are like, boo, you know, and I'm like, are you guys still mad? He wanted to win. I know he closed his restaurant down there, but is that still a thing or have people kind of moved on from Kevin Durant? Listen, it is 100% still a thing. Oh, Not let it go. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Um, but it was the way in which he left and then it was the things that he said after he left. So we don't feel the same about Russ. Russ is our guy. Russ also left, but we love Russ. So no. Yeah, I'll sorry. give you I'll give you that. Like I love KD. He he did some cool things. I think it actually in in Norman maybe is when he did that uh he got like a like a football pickup game going at night. Um, somewhere up there, Stillwater. He was in Stillwater and he got like all these people on, through Twitter, but he, he has done some things that maybe could, uh, you know, raise some eyebrows, but he's still a great player. And then he, hey, he left the Warriors. He's, I don't know, he's, a, he's, he's in Brooklyn or something. Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn, I don't even know. So um, I know before the show, we were talking about just some different things that you're doing at your school. And discipline is always something that I, I think about as a leader, but also I really thought about it as an assistant principal. Talk about some of the programs that you have going on at your school with discipline, restorative practices, because I know it's something that I see a lot talked about at conferences and people ask a lot of questions. So give us give us the rundown of what of what y'all are doing. Sure. So we have um, a restorative program in our building. Um, we have a our own space for that as well. Um, and we have two men that run that. It is something that we utilize to run small groups through based on um, student need surveys that we do multiple times a year, um, based on just things that we know about students. Um, anytime a student has a discipline issue, we run ACE assessments. So if people don't know what ACE um, scores are, ACE is Adverse Childhood Experiences. 
Um, it's about 10 traumatic things that really can alter brain chemistry. Um, so we do that with a, any kid that has um, behavior issues to try to give us more data on how we can um, support kids. But yes, yeah, so, so we really do try to um, work through why a student made the decision that they did, which sometimes is just that it's middle school and hormones and the worst part of everyone's life. Um, so that's just sometimes it. Um, but we, we have our, anytime a kid gets in trouble and have to, has to go to the restorative room, we have a day that's structured with, um, small groups. We have a counselor that comes in, um, they do multiple reflection exercises. And then the two men that run that program also continue to track student behavior, grades, um, do check-ins throughout the year as well. Um, we've, we've trained our teachers, on ways to respond to behavior differently to try to minimize behavior referrals. Uh, we are a trauma-informed district, which is phenomenal. We've done a ton of training on trauma and how that impacts student behavior. So um, that in and of itself has helped um, decrease the number of student referrals that we have. But then we also use that program to really be proactive um, to find out student needs before behavior ever becomes an issue. Um, and so we, our counselors run small group programs throughout the year based on that as well. So it's, it's really kind of multifaceted um, and a lot of people involved. Um, this year has been kind of wonky because of COVID and not you know, starting the year the way that we started. And honestly, we really didn't see a whole lot of behaviors um, because I think kids were just happy to be out of the house. Um, we are back in person for anybody who didn't um, catch that based on that comment, but the novelty now of school is starting to wear off. So we're starting to see some, some more behavior issues. Um, so, so we're kind of ramping that back up right now, but yeah, I love how, how thoughtful and how organized the approach at your school and your district is. I would love for you to start a blog, Sherry. This is going to be my challenge to you. Start a blog and just write about all those different pieces because I know like as a principal, I've struggled with what is your discipline program? You know, like what is it? And the district I was, I'd be working for, maybe have something, maybe not. Maybe there's some training here, maybe there. But if you really put time and energy and money into that, it's you're going to to see and you're going to pay off the dividends so much with students, with teachers, with the community. It's super important. Well, Sherry, part of this podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests. So to end the podcast, I'm going to pass the microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the aspiring leaders, assistant principals, principals, and everybody else that, that listens to this podcast? Oh my goodness. What would I like to say? Hmm. I think that I would say that the one thing that I really wish um, for, I'm going to, I'm going to start with aspiring principles. So the one thing that I really wish that people would have prepared me for um, is the grief that I felt leaving the classroom. Um, I know that probably sounds really weird, but I, like I said, I did not ever intend on becoming a principal. Um, and I got to the point where I felt like I watched systems and things um, fail students. And I felt like I could be a part of a change that would make um, 
school work better for students. And so that's really why I, you know, went to grad school and all those things. But I had a tremendous amount of grief leaving the classroom because there's just a different kind of relationship you get to build with kids whenever you spend, you know, 180 days with them um, in a row and, you know, get to have real deep conversations. So to aspiring principals, I would say be ready for that. Um, because it is, it's really hard, um, but it's so rewarding. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think everything in education should always be centered around um, student voices. And, you know, my philosophy, which is not anything unique to me, is that if it wouldn't be good enough for my kids, it's not good enough for any kid. And so operate always under that lens. And I think when we personalize it, it's a lot easier to make decisions that are best for kids. Those are such wise words to end on. Sherry, I've had so much fun talking to you today about education and Oklahoma and Kevin Durant and uh, <laughs> being a leader. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast. I know people learn a lot from these shows and they think, you know, being like we talked about earlier, being a leader can be lonely. And I think if you're a principal or an assistant principal, it, it can be lonely. And uh, we're just trying to provide a space for people to listen and connect and learn and uh, yeah, and just do the best they can. So everyone listening, thank you for all the support as always. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.